Hi, and welcome to the 139th edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. I am Jen, aka Takata Saiko. And I am Tessa. Today we're covering two episodes, uh, 910, The Arcane Wireless, and 911, The Conglomerate. Yep. Uh, Last week was busy. Yeah, Arcane Wireless uh, was by Sam Christopher, and The Conglomerate was by Aya Samba, which are two folks I adore. So I actually- So did you like them? I did. I very much enjoyed them. I mean, there was still a little- bitterness that will remain forevermore about Liz but all in all they were character driven they were well written I I enjoyed them I actually and we'll get into it more when we get down to the conglomerate but I actually like the lean on this so yeah I think I think it was great I I enjoy them enormously um they they sail very nicely they kept me at the edge of my seat um i was i was really impressed with both episodes they they were outstanding they were character driven and that's i i'm convinced as much as much as i will remain bitter about liz and i won't let it go because i think i have every right to be bitter about liz (laughs) what they did with her but I think one of the major issues I've had with so many of the episodes this season is that they've just, not many of them have been character driven. We've had, uh, we've had um, one for wrestler and one for Dembe. And those prior to these episodes were the two that I liked out of the season. Only those two, the rest of those, it wasn't great. And so these, uh, this focused on a ROM for the arcane wireless and focused on uh, Alina for the conglomerate. And so there was a lot of just digging into the characters, into their past and the things that have happened, especially with those two years that we have. Mm. And so it's, I I found it very fulfilling to be able to watch that with characters. And I've always adored Aram. I don't feel like they've given him I he's, don't got, think, he's taking a, a back step, which means that probably yes. he's going to get a big episode. That's, that's fair. They uh, do coming. tend to do that. Yeah. Um, and and I think that the same is going to happen with Cooper. He's he he will be getting a an a, a Cooper centric episode, which well, yeah. is you know that is coming because so far the whoever is uh, he's he's not even being blackmailed. He's just being toyed with. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. I realized watching. One of the episodes, I, I watched them uh, not not back to back, but within, you know, a day of each other. And I thought about, we haven't heard anything else about Cooper and the situation he's in in weeks. So mm-hmm. I, I, I guess the, uh, the whoever has him is just happy to know that, to let him know that he's in somebody's hand and they only have to close their fingers, as Red once said. And uh, he's not needed for the time being. He can stew in his own juices. And we could have stuff happening off scene or, uh, you know, off, off screen as well. Yeah. Uh, however, you sent a text to me while you were watching that had me laughing out loud. I knew um, it would. Something I, I really needed. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> well, Tell us about it. 
So uh, one of Tessa's long running theories has been that Reddington is a deep cover, is still a deep cover operative, that he's working for the United States government, he's deeply embedded in the criminal network, and that he's there as an operative for the United States government, whether I, you specify the U.S. Navy or just somewhere in there. Uh, I think it's the FBI. Must okay, be good to FBI. be home, sir. Um, there you go. Um, and so up until this point, I've been very, I feel like hesitance too light of a word. <laughs> I, I have not been on board with the theory. I, I did not think it was, I didn't follow it um, until last night when I was, or I guess, uh, yeah, it was last when you night watched I was the, uh, yeah. uh, when I watched Arcane Wireless. And so I'm watching this and all the little details of this guy who's in, who is a criminal. He's encouraging criminals to go do their criminal acts by providing them an untraceable phone. Mm -hmm. He's deeply embedded in this world and he gets, he gets caught. They find him, they, and he nearly gets killed because of it. And I went, I'm watching and I went, oh my goodness, Tessa may be right. <laughs> I have a feeling you might do more of that in the coming episodes. You know, there are worse things. And if you're right about Liz, I will sing your praises, friend. You know I will. I, yeah. my heart just can't take you being wrong on that. I know, I know. Um, one of the interesting things about that episode is how this deeply embedded uh, agent got in. He first got in by going to a known criminal, then telling him, I have a business, I can do this, and getting him to introduce the seer to the, the clients. And that reminded me so much of Red with Von Hauser. You know, it was the first relationship he cultivated. He wanted to be one of the equals and they created a partnership going on for years and years. And I, I had a feeling that this guy, um, Alfonso was just like Von Hauser. And I it just, as soon as I watched it, I was like, this is so, on the nose that by now they're not even trying to disguise them. They're like right there. It's it's one of two things. Either you are right or they're toying with us. It's one or yep. the other. Because they do have a habit of toying with us. But yes. and, I, and, I am more inclined as I sit today, I'm more inclined to think you may be right about that. Yeah. And it's uh and, and was that was such a great episode. Besides can I tell you, I love that fumfering. I had not <laughs> heard that word, but as soon as I heard it, I knew exactly what it meant. And he's like, oh my God, that's what Aram does. Oh, he fumfers. Definitely, definitely. And I, I'm not sure I've ever heard that word. And I know some really off the, you know, off the beaten path sort of phrases. And I'm not sure, I, but you're right. Like as soon as it was said, everybody knew what was being said. Yep. And we're like, yes, yes, that is exactly what he does. Yeah. You are it's a perfect right, sir. Uh, whenever I, if everybody, somebody, everybody, if at some point somebody asked me what that is, I'm going to say, that's what around does. And people would totally get it if they have watched The Blacklist. Yeah. It's, it's the it, rattling, the, 
having a yeah they're getting nervous and prattling about nothing and getting like started a half sentence and then stopping and going into something else and it's not gonna lie it's always been one of my favorite traits of his because he's such a precious little bean yeah Uh, did you also, since you were going on things that I, um, did you notice who was wearing plaid in those episodes, in that, I, in that episode? I didn't. You would think after, I think this is our fifth year of doing this, sixth year of doing it, somewhere in there. You would think that yep. I would automatically key in on plaid. I do not. It's the weirdest thing. And then you'll the say. The seer was wearing plaid. Oh. Alonso was wearing plaid. And the professor was wearing plaid, FJ. There you go. Yeah, it just seems like sometimes, I mean, they may be toying with me. Lord knows they even heard me once when I asked them, like, excuse me, guys, you're driving me crazy with that date in the newspaper. Is it 2019 or is 2020? And they went ahead and they corrected it. So when the episode airs, it's at 2020. So many thanks. So it, they could be well toying with me, but the parallels in that episode were so amazing to me when you think that that, that first phrase of the blacklist must be good to be home, sir. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, they could be, and there's always that possibility. I think you always want to leave the door cracked for that, but I am inclined to think you were right that he is deep cover, that he's working with the United States, which is interesting. And maybe it's, you know, the lady doth protest too much syndrome going on there. But, you know, he always says, you know, not my country, not my country. Mm -hmm. But what would someone who is styled to be a traitor to the United States, what would he say? Not my country. Has to say that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's not believable. Because you, you, you wouldn't are, be able to look at the figure of Raymond Reddington as he's been portrayed and him be overtly patriotic or something. That no. it just wouldn't. He, wouldn't he's only out. said things like that in court and to, and to Cooper. Personally alone, says, you're, you know, I've never been a traitor to this country. And he said it in the trial. have done many dark things, but none that has been treasonous. And think about that. If he is an undercover operative and that he's doing all of this, as um, the seer was talking about that, you know, okay, so some of their their arrests were down, but it was for a, a larger goal. They were, they were going to bug some of the worst of the worst. If Reddington yep. is doing that, if he's bringing in the worst, the worst, which he's doing with the blacklist. But if, if that was the, if that's the third, you know, I guess the 30 year plan or the original mm-hmm. goal, um, then could you imagine at least to some degree how much that would grate on you to be called a traitor when you know, and you, you are one of the only people that know that you're not, you, you are most certainly not. Yeah. One of the things that was most interesting in there is that you have one undercover agent who's targeting, and if that is the case, then you have one undercover agent going in the criminal in order to 
bug the organization of another undercover agent working with the FBI. And remember that a long time ago, I was telling you about this, like how they, there was this case and I can't remember, it's a long time ago. It is the FBI and the CIA, I think, or maybe it was the NSA, so two, two agencies within the United States. And they spent all these years tracking this agent. And, you know, they were like building their cases and make sure they got all the information, except uh, they were agents of the other agency. So they spent all this time and all this money targeting another U.S. agent. That would match here. And they do. They do pull some of their stories from headlines. Mm-hmm. And so that would be very interesting here since the Sears, I'm, I'm blanking on what his actual name was, but since- he, I don't think that we ever knew it because it's, they, they, they gave us one of his names, a name that he had, but not, probably that's not his real name. But still, uh, the Sear, his, his end goal was Raymond Reddington. Yep. And so many people's end goal here. And uh, that would be absolutely fascinating. Now, and that and that's a shapeshifter. It's somebody who is good, who's looking bad, for greater good. So you can never tell who's who. Yeah, and that's that's been a thread through the blacklist since the beginning. Is who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? It's hard to say. They're a bunch of spies. What do you make of this oddity? Normally, Arcane Wireless would not have been the name of the episode. Normally, it would have been the seer. And then, you know, then Arcane Wireless will come as part of finding the seer. But I find intriguing when we have a blacklister and the name of the episode is not that blacklister. It always... It's one of those things that get my senses tingling, like this is some information that is important. Um, very uncommon. It hasn't happened many times. The Artex Network was I, I was one. about to say the Artex Network. Um, yeah, that one the, led into Scotty. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, then we had Scotty Hargrave, but that episode was not um, the, the Halcyon. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if the seer comes back like Scotty did out of the Artex network. Or, or if they take this technology and apply it to something else, because now they have it. And I, I thought it was also very interesting around, um, it was interesting to see him have regret in some way, being a little bit of anger over what he let go and it was his and it makes you wonder why he did it. Did he miss it, as he said he did, or? I mean, I, I think that's gonna be one of the lingering questions for a while, because he's, and it may be one of those things that he didn't even think about it. Like he felt a duty, you know, and he felt fulfillment in the task force, because there was a lot of fulfillment in there. And that's, that's something his mentor said. He said, you know, this is, um, I remember what the phrase was he used for it. Um, it wasn't outstanding, but it was, you know, he, he praised the, yeah. the uh, uh, great, great, uh, what is it called? Grayscale? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. But he praised that. And he said, if if you were able to do this in the private sector and you left left it for this, whatever you're doing here has to be just as much mm-hmm. inspired. He said mm-hmm. it was inspired. And yeah. so, um, and so I, I do think that he finds fulfillment in the task force. I think he finds family there. Um, I still say that there is some question as to why his parents were in the first episode back for the season, because we waited nine seasons to meet his parents. They weren't even, Mm. well, no, they were mentioned, but it was just interesting timing to meet them. You know that they planted them there for later. Yeah, because it didn't feel like they necessarily, like you could have had them. They didn't need to be there. You can have the episode without them. Absolutely could have, could have had the scenes without them. And yet they were there. And so you wait nine seasons and then they seem to have no purpose there. So to me, that says that we just don't know what that purpose is going to be yet. I had, I had, I just got another um, parallel there. Oh, and then now it's gone. We were talking about Aram. So Aram, Aram gets, understands, and it's Alina now who's telling her, did you run the track? And she pushes him like, why do you trust him? And she's the one who gets him to run the trace again, and then he goes back. And it makes me, it makes me wonder about connections to things in the past that have happened with Red. There, there, all this has been to, to go undercover to get this guy. There's a possibility that Red is going undercover to, to do, to get somebody else. So is do we have another level of that, for example, in there with Fitch? Is that what Fitch was doing, going undercover in there? In how many levels deep are we getting this in the past as we're getting it in the future? You could have had Fitch undercover in the cabal. Mm-hmm. And then he brings Red in because there was clearly a history there. There's never any question that there was history there, even outside of the comics in which we see that, you know, that he known him for years. But in, in the storyline and the actual canon of the show, we saw it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's very interesting because the relationship with Aram and this guy reminded me a bit of the relationship between Fitch and Red. A bit. Not terribly, yeah. but a bit enough um, to be enough to be note worth noteworthy. Yeah, that's fair. I I think the difference there in the the difference between the relationships comes down to the difference in personality. Red, even if he felt inferior or like he was trying to catch up to Fitch, he'd never show. Would not for. Yeah, he would not fumper. He he would not show it. And unlike Aram, who just 
goes on a tangent about this, that, and everything else between point A and point Z. And then circles around at least two other times before finally maybe getting to his point. And usually someone's telling him to get to the point by then. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't, I mean, that, that episode was mostly, um, it was very interesting what they did. And it reminded me a lot of the things that Red does. For example, the seer didn't kill the guy he was going to abduct. He just, they just put him in prison. Red many times have said that he had killed somebody that he hadn't. Well, yeah, for, for, the, for the image. It looks like they've done this mm -hmm. because the image of the person they're pretending to be is that that person would be dead. And so they make yeah. it look like it. And they called it when the other guy said, no, you're not going to kill it. You're just going to disappear him. I don't want him to disappear. I want him dead. And Red is saying, well, let me handle it. And all he wants is to get, get this seer. There were just so many levels in that episode. I was I was very impressed. Um, loved it. Yeah, I, I think Sam did a fantastic job with it. Um, so here's a question for you. Um, there, there's been a debate online over who is ultimately responsible for Liz's death. Who, basically, who is the person they're looking for that set um, um, Van Dyke up? Hey, look, I remembered his name for once. Um, set Van Dyke up with the ability to track Liz. Um, I think it's Liz. Okay, interesting. I so one of the well one I got the, I uh, got the way to 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 look at that. And this episode there is something I call I call the um the fake fit piece. When you're doing crosswords, sometimes you get a piece and it looks like it fits. It does have a little bit like, but you, it just goes so perfectly that you think it has to be that one. So you ignore the little bit of squiggle that you have to do to get it in. Um, and then there is another thing that is, I call the disquiet. Whenever I see an episode and things seem to feel, they feel okay, like, okay. This seems to be the way it is, but there is a little something that triggers disquiet. And I've learned to trust that feeling. And when we got to the second episode, the conglomerate, we see this is yet one more time that we find more about that night. Now we know who rode with Liz Buddy in the ambulance and who got to the hospital. They got her out of the bag. She got all her, uh, her belongings, signed them in a bag, asked for a little time alone, uh, arguably to say a prayer, which is a bizarre thing because we have never okay. seen her. Thank you. Thank you. I actually have that in my notes, that that felt so off because we've had no prior. I mean, like Cooper, I could 100% see Cooper doing that. He, he seems to be a man of faith. but Or if it were Dembe. Dembe. Like, 
I could see either of those men doing it. It was so strange. I mean, just out of nowhere. And so it, it has yes. to mean something, but I just don't know what yet. Very uh, but, bizarre. But but back to the... To the I'm getting there. Oh, oh, okay. I'm getting there. It's just a very... It's like a ram. A long, it's like a mix of a ram and red. It's a little roundabout, but eventually like red, I'll get to the point. Little flare. So this is, I mean, she's just doing all this. Why on earth does she want a moment alone? Is she saying this prayer out loud so nobody sees or hears what she's doing? There is something there about what she was doing that she has to be alone with with the body. That is bizarre to me. Then we also now know who else did not do that. So now we're just having, we have no idea what Cooper and Aram did. We imagine one or, or both of them went after wrestler because they had to know that wrestler was going to crash into something. He was full of drugs. He just ran off a hospital and he's been looking for it since the day one of the blacklist, a huge car accident that leaves him in the hospital. Poor guys. Um, then we have, we have this, this track. Right, so now they know Van Dyke was tracking list, but not her phone. Great, that's a wonderful piece of information. Except the tracker is not on her clothes. So where is the tracker? It has to be on the body. So either Liz swallowed the tracker, or Liz had it stuck in her body. But they did an autopsy. They would have found trackers. They would have found if she had swallowed it or if she was stalked. Like, you know, I thought about the the patch in Wujin. Remember the one that looked like a nicotine patch, but it was a transmitter? They would have found it. it yeah. I mean, it's a postmortem. They're not just looking at the body to see how pretty it is. They got to have cause of death. They got to get the organs out. They got to get measures. They got to give you a last time of last meal. That's what autopsies do. I mean, to see that she died of a gunshot wound doesn't need an autopsy. The big hole pretty much tells you that. Yeah. Um, so how on earth she has not been knocked down since that last day, right? She's, she, it's not that somebody took her and they implanted a chip and she doesn't know that she had it. So if, if there was one in her body, she put it there herself more so because the day before they were in the park with agnes if there was a perfect timing to kill agnes while liz watched then kill red while liz watch and and then kill liz while red watch and then kill red i don't know what it was it was a perfect time endscape because in central park it was a far better chance you know with all the people to get to get around Okay, I mean, we, we saw Liz do it when she disappeared into the crowd. Yep. It's very easily done instead of in the dark night where you know that Red's going to get you. So that tells me that Van Dyke did not know how to get to Liz until that day. And she only saw a wrestler who had no idea and was in a hospital and Cooper, who probably, I cannot imagine Cooper putting a tracker with the objective of giving it to Van Dyke. Unless he was into the fake death and in bay she did see Dembe as well yes but again same thing he seemed to have been distraught over what happened yeah. he's he spent obviously an enormous amount of time tracking the movement going over feeling guilty uh 
all of these things. So he's not it. I mean, it's like either it's it's a, to me. It's I can see another person who could have put it in if they were in the same city. Mrs. French. So Possibly. Mrs. French and Liz is all that I'm left to who put that tracker in. It could be Mrs. French because I mean when we saw her, she wanted she wanted Red dead, but then suddenly now they're all friends. That to me is a little bizarre. So either Liz was hallucinating first, or Mrs. French was not so understanding and going for the Tatie movies so easily. Mrs. French always seemed either really sketchy or really convenient for the writing. Like there really was no purpose for her other than so we'd stop asking where Agnes was. Mm-hmm. They learned their lesson with Hudson. This fandom does not let it go. If there is a missing dog, if there's a missing child, we are going to gripe nonstop until we know the answer. But I mean, they, it could have been somebody not as shady as Mrs. French. I mean, it could have been just somebody that you hire who's like, hey, I come from nannies and, and killers.com. You will protect your child and kill anybody who comes near it. Like I don't Kate. Know. <laughs> yeah. So it could have been anybody, but not not Mrs. French. Yeah. She was super then, sketchy. So I'm, I'm left with that. I don't have any other options. And, and then we're always forgetting about that scrub order from Liz. So she was, they, they were going to kill her and then voila, there she is, somebody killed her. And the task force is disbanded and nobody knows anything about. And then soon Alina is distraught and she is left very emotionally. And I mean, sure, could it be because she, Liz was a friend. She wasn't that friendly towards Liz when she was taking down planes and signing things. She was very critical. So I am not buying this. I think that that's the reason she concocted. But I'm not buying. And I don't, maybe she is a bit upset with Liz being dead. But I don't buy this. The time that she spent alone, that weird prayer for somebody who had never shown any attempt at being religious. If somebody helped Liz fake her death, it would have been now her because she had the best. I mean, if there was, if she, if they did it, somebody would have to be in the ambulance with her in a body that would have been procured before that matches somewhat the description. She did the, she'd recognized the body, so she identified it as Liz. And then I, I imagine there was a, a closed casket. So the whole identity of the body rests on her. It just seems to me that, that she will be the one to change the list for a body, dress it in those clothes, put the, the, and then recognize the body. And then maybe she needed a little time to do something. And that's therefore that weird prayer, prayer moment. Yeah. Um, so one, one thing that I have seen around the internet um, as a person possibly behind Liz's death, and he certainly has motive. 
Um, I think that after the conglomerate, his means may be a little less, but as of um, as of the Arcane Wireless episode, I was like, oh, this may be right. Maybe someone's onto something. Um, but Marvin. And so people have been asking about Marvin Gerard and if he could have possibly killed Liz. And my response has been pretty steadily. I don't think he so, likes his Mar- own skin much better. And that, that, that's been my response is that he knows what Red would do to someone that did that. But it, I found it interesting, and it may have just been a red herring. They may have done it as a red herring. What? He kept trying I tell you to what tell, he, he kept trying to tell Red, there's nothing here. There's, you know, these are not the droids you're looking for. You know, find something else. Find something I, else. I have a, a, a similar kind of idea, but one that goes, he helped. And that's a possibility. If he like helped the deal, to fake her death. If the because deal if was, you're leaving like you're done yeah and also because liz was red was going to abandon everything and and get himself killed when he was getting better and 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 marvin was distraught over that and i don't think it was about the empire or the money he was making i think it was it was genuinely about red he was concerned about red and i think it may have been something i could see liz going to him and saying i need help with this i don't know what kind of help uh but whatever it is maybe it was just keep the empire running because there was no need for any of them to keep the empire running they probably have more than enough money to last them for a lifetime yeah marvin had his he had all that money that he has made and he now back being a lawyer he had really no need of that um it seems to me that there might be something with him, but I don't think, as you, he likes his skin very much. Yeah, that's always been my statement. So I, I found it interesting, but y- you may be onto something there. Maybe he helped. If if Liz is alive, and it's a big if, mm-hmm. then maybe he helped. Yeah, he's been certainly very interesting. He let it go. That's not it. Get back to work. Yeah. He's trying to focus Red's attention away from investigating Liz's death. He a little red too. he wants red focused on he his thinks, job yeah he thinks the and i wonder ah, it'd be interesting to know how much about who red is that he knows because he uh, red made the comment years ago that kate was one of the few people that knew the whole story that there were very very few people that knew the whole story he never said that i never i never kate is one of the few people i've loved he never um, said that Kate knew all that. Kate thought that she did and said, what, your secrets? But that's what Kate believed. He called Point her, he called me that, her, my friend. He called her, um, he said that, oh, how did he phrase My confessor. It? Yes, thank you. But not that she knew all the secrets. Okay. Yeah. But I wonder it's, how much Marvin knows. The blacklist is so peculiar in which you have. I wonder if when Red left, Dembe told him things. May have help. I mean, he was always like, you, you, you know, this this man loves you, Liz, and all that. I wonder if at that point he would have done this in order to protect both of them. Because at this point, it seemed to me that Ren and Liz were both into a self-destructive mode. 
um, that was not helping anybody. So that's what, that's what I see possible that could be. Okay. Um, the last thing I really have for this episode was Hetty. Um, hasn't Hetty been in prison before? She was being going to trial, but she hadn't been convicted of anything. Okay. That's when they spring her there. And because she can't give testimony and she didn't, then the, the thing about Smokey doesn't go through because she disappears. Yeah. Well, one interesting thing is I have a few quotes that are worth about the um, the Arcane, Arcane uh, Network. The Bureau issue, one, issue um, I tried putting a bulb. Seems the Bureau issue one of Myers three years ago. Turn out he's almost as elusive as Reddington. Repeat that one. Red wrestler says that the seer is almost as elusive as Reddington. Okay. All right. And you cannot be as elusive unless you have the FBI in your pocket. Then you know exactly what they're going to do. You can figure it out. Do you have anything on, on the characters? I mean, this is mostly about what did you tell me something? Did you find Peter's reaction to hearing Raymond Reddington interesting? Well, I mean, that that's on our next one. That's on the conglomerate. Okay. And so, like, I, I, was, that's, I was saying that's all I had for the Arkin Wireless oh, episode. Okay. <laughs> not, for okay. the, not for both episodes. No, no. I, I've got a whole other round of, of comments for, for the conglomerate. Do we want okay. to move on to? Uh, yeah, I think okay. that, that there was. I mean, this was so around. I love the the FJ, the professor. I did too. I, I thought it was very interesting. My only question about FJ was, I wish they had noted if this. I, I guess he was FBI. Yeah. But that doesn't match because Aram's out of the NSA, so it should have been, an, and he could have been NSA and just he could be an NSA on, on yeah. loan to the FBI. Like I don't think it was necessarily a. Um, a mix up with canon as i just wish they had said it yeah i mean he's an agent obviously because he's referred yeah. to as an agent and they talk about rank so my feel is that he might be and the fact that Aram may have gone to the nsa but we don't know where because he could have been teaching around at mit and be nsa or, or or cia yeah, he, or if he could have been a mentor from back BI, in college. Yeah. We don't know I mean, just because he was. Yeah, because Aram said that he was a hacker and he was recruited right out of, uh, out of MIT. And then there were the guys that, that the director had that were his classmates and they used to make fun of him and he was happy to beat uh, Sweater Vest. You remember Sweater Vest? I don't. The guy who had the sweater vest and was snickering and Aram was happy about doing illegal things to him. Oh. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's it was apparently... in season three. Okay. 
Sometimes my memory scares me. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what you, you, you asked the question about Peter. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I do have a thought about this because of all the parallels that have been drawn with Alina and Peter and Liz and Tom and on the nose for walking in talking and suddenly he's you know duct tape over the mouth and being held hostage at gunpoint I mean the parallel was so strong so so strong and then I mean, we don't really get a reaction to Raymond Rain because it cuts out, but there was something about something that. happening in the eyes. Yeah. That I'm wondering if he targeted Alina. If he's an operative and he targeted Alina to get to uh to Ray. I mean, running a bunch of, of movie theaters and being a teacher seems kind of the same boring things and yeah, I mean, just creating a persona that is not someone that you would naturally think, yes, I should be suspicious of this person. Mm -hmm. She said he was boring a few too many times. Yeah, it, it, it definitely had something there. And they were, there was also two with Alina and Samar, remember we saw Samar assassinate uh, a, an Iranian guy, a nuclear scientist, and then that brings the whole thing about the uh, the scimitar. So this is the second character, and Tom, we know that he had taken jobs for the CIA, and somebody assassinated it. So it's like a whole thing of repeating themes. Well done, I mean, because it's, you have to really look to see them. All they do I guess for the casual viewer is kind of a bring a you know when you smell vanilla you immediately feel happy because it brings back childhood yeah. and a cake it's being a, baked. The subconscious memories. Yes. Yeah, and so it's that's a, yeah, it's you, you see them, and maybe you have a little suspicion that pops up. You don't know why, mm -hmm. and. Obviously, you and I have watched. <laughs> I mean, the the more recent seasons, I haven't watched nearly as many times. But the first several seasons, seasons one through through four, especially, I've I've watched too many times to count at this point. And so, as soon as and I I made the comment that I felt like there were some parallels being drawn there with. I think mm -hmm. I referred to Peter as the, when he Tom, first appeared. Yeah, when what Tom would have been like if Tom hadn't been an operative, I think was what I referred to him as. And so I'm starting to wonder, <laughs> hey Peter, I don't. This is why I must like you, dude. Because remember, I liked Peter from the get go. I got very defensive of him very early. Yeah. <laughs> Watch him be a spy, and it'll just be. Well, I always, my, my sense with Peter was like, I just don't like the, I mean, I don't know why this guy is like, it felt to me. It doesn't first, make sense why he's I, stuck around. Oh my God. I fell entirely for what I tell people not to fall. I think, oh my God, I don't know if he's the actor or the writing of a character. It just leaves me a little cold. And then it's like, oh my God, now I'm seeing it. I'm like, 
exactly. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be thinking, this doesn't feel too real. But then you see that in this episode, his acting was terrific. Oh, yeah. I think the actor. So there is nothing wrong with the actor. Therefore, what I was seeing back then was intentional. He was acting the part of somebody acting the part. And there I saw it. So I'm thinking that he was targeted. But look, look I I need to go through and do all the parallels. But then it required me to go back and rewatch the season. I really don't want to. Um, (laughs) But if you think about it, you have boring job. Mm-hmm. Tom teacher, um, uh, Peter running a theater, chain of theaters. Um, the girl that tends towards the bad boys. You have Alina who is coming off of her relationship with John, who is clearly a bad boy. Um, now Nick wasn't necessarily your cliche bad boy, but but Liz had a history of it. Um, yeah. Is it not your traditional bad boy? He made some very, very poor life choices over the years. Um, (laughs) And then you had the baby. And And I think this, I think this is what got me because I had such an emotional, one of the early things that had me fall so hard and so fast for the Keens. I'm a huge fan of adoption, just personally. Like I, I would like to adopt someday. That's been a lifelong goal of mine. It, it's a very personal thing to me. And I feel like on television that if people adopt, it tends to be because they can't physically have kids. There isn't a lot of adoption by choice on, on mainstream television. And so when the Keens could have kids and yet we're looking to adopt, and then we found out what we did about Tom. I was all in on it. I mean, that that whole, I, I'm still kind of sad they didn't also adopt, but it's neither here nor there. Um, but that scene from season one where Liz tells him that that they're broken and that, and he realizes that he's lost their child. Now the child's not dead. The child's just no longer going to be their child. But the scene with Peter walking off after Alina has I remember oh my thinking, god yeah you're right I, I remember thinking like that's so cliche a miscarriage like, like you want to give the woman an emotional story and so what do you do you give her a miscarriage okay um but I think it was a parallel that we just didn't realize was being drawn yet you have Tom losing the child that they're never going to have in uh their friend Jenny's child that they were going mm-hmm. to adopt the little boy and then you have Alina and Peter losing a child through miscarriage that he may, may not, I mean, they weren't really planning for. And that, that emotional reaction, if he's undercover, I think, because there, there's something to be said when someone is so overrun emotionally, they just can't deal with it and they just walk off. And a lot of times when people just walk off like that, that's, they're just overrun. And so that, that was the impression I got with him in that moment. And so if he's an operative, I think he's, I think he's in too deep, just like Tom. Mm-hmm. And if you look back, they've been married for two years, right? Yes. Alina, uh, when Liz found out about Tom, they'd been married for two years. And he wanted her to quit the job. Yep, yep. Want her to be safe. He just wanted them and together. And one way or another, found himself into the into the uh, the post office. Yep. 
with a thing over the head and the whole thing. I think Peter's an operative. I, I am on board with this. Peter's an operative. It was a question at the end of the episode, but this convinces me. Peter's an operative. I knew I liked the man. I knew I liked him. <laughs> well, also the way that, that they met was, was a little glib. Well, it was interesting because Liz and Tom met through a friend. Yeah. Um, and so, and I believe they were actually set up on the date through the friend, which I was like, what, what yeah. kind of friend does that when she's already dating somebody? But a friend set them up and a friend set Alina and Peter up as well. It, it just the, they has so, a lot of of um i by the way can i say how much i enjoy the scenes of alina beating the heck out of people oh yes i i will always love her fight scenes they're so well choreographed and the i i'm assuming it's the actress actually doing it i i don't know i don't know I'm but a, they're, they're if, they were awesome but i love those scenes it's just so fluid and so well done and i love I, a good hand-to-hand -hand combat scene like i really enjoy those and with alina they like for the longest time with alina that's all i liked about her was her combat scenes did you did you know i i love that the part the scene where she's killing that that um the the bad general uh-huh the one that get him and and she was like so meekly like going at the vacuum with the thing. Yeah. It was so perfect. I loved it. Yeah. And she I, I have I said early on I wasn't sure if it was the writing or if it was the actress. Why I just could not connect to Alina. And I think in the end it's just it's so difficult to have someone come in that late. And essentially because not not that it was planned. From my understanding, Alina wasn't actually planned because they um, uh, left. left, yeah, yeah, and so they had to come up with somebody then and stick them in where they may not have actually fit. I, the first time through the conglomerate, up until a certain point, I was like, this feels very forced. This idea that she suddenly went and became a killer for hire, you know, a CIA sanctioned assassin. That's a lot. And then by the end of it, I was like, but is it though, in the world of the blacklist, is it really a lot or does it make sense for someone with her personality? And I, I settled, especially after rewatching it. Yeah, that makes sense. Alina would totally become a CIA assassin in yeah. her two years. Well, and, and remember uh, Samar saying about like, do you get used to it? Yes, eventually you do. Um, and she was, you know, I've, I've killed many people that, that you, that, you know, you have to. And, and Alina was like, okay, well, as long as it was, uh, government sanctioned, they took the responsibility and I was just doing mm -hmm. my job. And I loved the line in there about killing was easy. Laughing was hard. And I needed a little more of the latter. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had, um, some of the dialogue, what I'm learning about this team, apparently, with a Balkan camp, is that he seemed to have tampered the uh, cotton candy quality of, of some of the dialogues. It was never overly uh, sweet. You which... think Balkan camp did? I think so, because I, that's one thing I've noted is like now when they do sweet, 
they tend to do a bit more, 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 just stiff. I kind of get and, the impression overly that sweet. the Eisendrass a bit more of a romantic than Bokenkamp yes. was. Yeah, and I think Bokenkamp tempered that. Uh, that said, as you noted, uh, he appears not just as a creator, but as an executive producer. Yeah, uh, so Tessa and I were talking about before we started recording, um, to, to catch everybody up with the, that comment. Um, last night, I was, or I guess it was this morning, I was watching the, uh, the conglomerate, and I realized that Bokenkamp's name popped up as an executive producer. And which it makes sense that he would be noted as the creator because it's not like even though he left the show, he didn't stop being the creator. He still created the show. But an executive producer, in theory, is one of the lead writers, is one of the top tier writers on the show who is actively working on the show uh, for, for a television writing room. And so I, I went back and I double checked. I picked a, a random episode from earlier in the season and he was noted there too. So John Bokenkamp is still being listed even though he has left the show. It's bizarre. It seems uh, like certainly noted. And I, you know, I don't know if you remember me saying that the departures of both Bokenkamp and Megan Boone seem to me a bit theatrical. Uh, with a leaked problem about her not wanting to do episode and Sony signing her producing company. It just, I'm not saying it's not true, but it felt theatrical. I don't know if you remember. I've said it many times, but people tell me that I'm insane from so many theories. Um, it gets to a point where I say, okay, maybe I won't say everything I... <laughs> But I, I mean, I, at some point, why do I care? Um, I feel like somewhere outside of the scope of the camera that I see when we do our podcast, you have a theory board with all the strings all over the place. I did at one point. <laughs> I don't question it for a second. <laughs> yep, I did for a bit. Um, I, that's the way I still approach every post. I put all the quotes. I put all the figures and I stare at it and see where the connections that come up. But this, you know what? I mean, theory boards or, you know, uh, what else do they call them? Um, conspiracy theory boards get a bad rap. They can be very useful. Yeah, they can. And as long as, you know, you're aware that is a theory uh, and you don't forget to put your if and then in front of things. Um, exactly. You're good. You're good. Don't get, don't get too sold on it until the proof has been shown. No. How that said, however, don't forget Mrs. French. <laughs> it's oh, something Mrs. weird about that woman. There is. There is. I don't know. I would never leave a child with her. Goodness. Um, but I mean, in that seemed to run in families. I mean, Katarina hire Kate. The yeah. moment she started talking so lovingly about cadavers, Kay would have been herself feeding the tulips. Like, yeah. we get the hell out of here and don't come near my child. But <laughs> no, then she was, hi oh, you're perfect. You love cadavers. Oh. Oh, you can help me hide the body. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right. As soon as I get back, we'll start with the first one. Yeah. 
Um, so what did you think about John? I like the, the character. I did too. I think for someone that we hadn't met up at this point, who, well, while they've been alluding to something that Alina did during their off time, uh, so clearly Red knows what, what she had been up to, but we hadn't had any real mention of John. I think the, the writing form was great, the way they brought him in. Um, uh, the actor was phenomenal. Attractive, but treacherous. Uh, yes, I loved, I loved her Rom's comment. What is it with these guys? <laughs> Samar's ex, this guy. I was <laughs> just like, plus. Yep. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Nope. There was also that, I mean, for those who watch the redemption, I mean, that's how Tom comes into there because he was also hired on jobs by the CIA to do different things. This one was to find a rogue agent who had a scrub order, but decided instead to start turning uh, people and and sell them, which always reminded me of the Shimun. And I always suspected the Shimun was very similar. It's not that he was taking, it's that he wanted to go and that he started selling information. So, there, I, I mean, I love these parallels they're making. And the John character was phenomenal. I really liked him. I said, like, oh, please hire this guy. Nope. Instead, she beat his face in. Yeah. Well, he went through Peter, you know. You know what? He should have known better, honestly. That's not, that was almost like that that scene in which uh, it, it, when Tom died, that he was protecting Liz. This almost felt like Alina was. I think that she was like shot or stabbed or something. And no, um, she just got beaten in the face quite a bit. No, they uh, John got stabbed when they went down on the. Uh, uh, on the furniture, uh, a piece of, of the whatever they, I think it was a chair they fell into. He got stabbed with it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of that, of that fight with the Keens that, you know, she's, he's, she, he was trying to protect Liz and uh, Alina was trying to protect John. And, you know, it, it, it's the, it was interesting because Alina chose to tell him the truth. So that's going to go a little better, but we have no idea what Peter is doing. I mean, I, it just doesn't seem like he's the regular guy. I I'm telling you, I have convinced myself that he's an operative and that he's there to get Reddington. And yes. as it stands today, depending it, on if you were one of the on, enemies, that would be the way to go. Eventually Reddington is going to come back to this, to this task force. So let's get in there and, yeah, he'll only be gone so long. Yep. He, he didn't want her in the field. Make sure she's protected and still Reddington comes back. Yeah, it's all a little... It's it's getting exciting again. And this episode was just phenomenal uh, with, with the parallels again. Um. So I do have a question for you. Maybe you know, because I, it felt very weird to me and mm -hmm. very random. The caviar thing. Where he told her that he had caviar and champagne in the fridge and to, to basically take a load off and, and eat it to settle down. 
and that scene of her just eating his caviar it was so bizarre reminded me a little bit of that refrigerator grab the pretzels in um season one when they're when when the fake brother gets killed john the uh, oh, tom's yeah. fake brother yeah it just it seemed i don't know it just seemed kind of odd i mean it would have been one thing if he just said it and then the scene ended but the scene continued on through her eating the caviar and it was just i felt like i'd missed something like some sort of deep love affair with caviar that hasn't actually been put on screen well it's one of those red food things um i think it intended to highlight that red knows how she's feeling yeah knows how she's feeling knows how to soften the blow like mm. that that's accurate there was just we were talking about earlier the, those scenes that there's a pin put in you're like i don't know why it's making me feel this way but it is and yeah. that's one of those for me like they're disquiet like weird yeah. yeah disquieting exactly yeah like like uh this there's two episodes i've had a lot of disquieting in them like that scene of alina in the morgue was so bizarre it was so weird with the prayer and like I was on board with it until the prayer, and then I, I actually yeah, and then the prayer is like, what is she doing? You know, my mind up. immediately went is like, you're covering something by saying that, and I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I actually um, backed it up. I was like, that doesn't make like that doesn't track for me. And then what do you think about this thing? Alina is the one who tells Red, well, you know what to do. Where did it ping last? That's where you gotta start looking. So they got the cemetery, but either, I mean, the only way that he's buried with her is if he ate it. Uh, how on earth could it not be found unless it was put in there afterwards? Unless Alina was doing is putting, but the, no, because they hadn't done the postmortem. The, the pathologist asked if yeah. she was staying for the postmortem. I mean, it's, I know that they're going to dig her up, but I don't know if they're going to A, find the tracker, if anybody that knew Liz will be there to see the body, or if it's going to be so distasteful that they're going to just get somebody to put a wand and try to find that. Or if somebody's going to open that up and say, sure, this is Liz and she's dead. Or B, I don't know who that is, but that's not Liz. Or there isn't a body in there, but a tracker. And then, I don't know, spoiler alert, skip 10 seconds. I don't know if you saw the, the spoiler in which you have uh, Red saying, hello, Elizabeth, with a bit of smirk. I, I didn't agree. I didn't watch it live, so I didn't see the previews for next week. No, that's, that was in the Seth Mayer uh, interview with Bader, I think. Oh, I, I haven't seen. I don't watch any of the interviews anymore. Yeah, well, I I don't either, but I watch that little thing. And we see that watching the, the uh, looking at the clothes and all that. We have that, that. And then they had the Alina falling on the table. Um, but they also show that. And Red is at the grave and says, hello, Elizabeth. 
just with a smirk, not the kind. I mean, not the way yeah, not, you would think. Not the morning you would expect yeah. for that. It would not be wrestler going in there and being, oh, it was more like uh, when he called her there to the grave and said, I wonder what poor soul this Mr. Kaplan buried there. So something is up and it's so weird. It'll be interesting if the grave's empty. Like if there's sand or something in the in the casket. Or another body. I mean, obviously we never saw the body the face. And we tend to think, of course, because Megan Boone is not there and yeah. but they have a look alike. They have her that, you know, on, on a distance I would have passed for. Just her her um her body double. Yeah. Stunt. <laughs> Hey, person that looks uh, looks somewhat like Liz Keen. Come here. <laughs> Oops, now you're dead. Yeah. Well, just get a body from a morgue that more or less looks like that. Yeah. I mean, Alina identified the body. That's it. That you rest in there, and then she had that weird prayer moment. Yeah, that um, if Alina was in on it. So let's say Alina's in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, why would she send him to the grave where she knows he's going to dig it up? That doesn't make any sense. If she's Because in as it. long as Unless, he's looking for a tracker, he's not looking for something else. But he would know if it wasn't her. Yes, but do you think Dredd is going to stand there and take a look at the body? Or he's going to send somebody to just put the, run the ones, make sure she has a tracker? It would be a huge gamble on Alina's part if she was involved in this, that he wouldn't go himself to make sure, you know, it, one of those, if you want it done right, do it yourself moments. Well, you saw the way he was with that, with the clothes. Yeah. Do you think that he's going to go see a body? I wouldn't. There is no reason for him to assume she's not dead. Even he said, you know, I hope she's she's buried, not on her. She's uh, underground and and yeah, I hope he's wearing she's something nice. Yeah. yeah. But what a, what a terrific episode. Um, it was the, the the conglomerate and it reminded me a bit of which was the other killers umbrella uh, the the Osterman umbrella company yeah so it's I mean, interesting you have to imagine that for every blacklister that they have other people do it too red's not the only concierge of crime i mean he's the mm -hmm. only person called the concierge of crime but there are plenty of people that play mediator um you know, there, there's not just one assassin group. There are a bunch of people doing this, and it just happens mm -hmm. to be the ones that they're coming across. Yeah. Well, we also had the travel agency, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. Those were just killer for hire. So it's it's, it's interesting as we get a, as we go along, how the themes get repeated, but they're not exactly the same. It's like you've said for years. It's it's a distorted image, a distorted mm -hmm. reflection. And we have a season 10. Yep. 
Yep. I, I'm going to wait to see if they continue along. I mean, it's, it's nice to have two, two uh, episodes back to back that were very good. Um, that reminded me of old school blacklist a little bit. Um, but I'm going to get too excited about season 10. I'm going to wait to see if there are any, if I continue enjoying them or if it was just. Well, well at some point we writers. need to get an answer that is not uh, taken back. And uh, an answer that nice. it doesn't even feel like it's an answer because a lot of people were totally convinced in season eight that, you know, Nakalo was the answer. And then she read the letter and Nakalo went, you know, that, that little montage at the end of Connets and Nakalo went down, down the drain. Because if she had any answers in Nakalo, then why she keeps asking, tell me who it is, tell me who it is, like a lunatic. And then if, and then she read the letter and then she showed up at, I mean, the motivation is so wrong that that he would show up with a gun when you clearly have no intentions of killing him and not telling him she the letter. So yeah. motivation wise, it just doesn't make any sense. And at the same time, I was thinking about all the ways that Dembe has actually changed the outcome and gone against Red. He's, he sent Liz to the apartment. He, what else did he do? I had three. He gave her the, the letter. He gave her the letter, sent her to the apartment, and let her go with yeah. the tires. He could have shot the tires, and he didn't. Yeah, when, when she was rushing after uh, yep. fake arena. Yep. So many times he had, you know, he had told, tell that, and then actually done things to change the outcome of things. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, that is just action and consequence. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's been at the center. He ha he's an individual with a lot of information and so therefore a lot more power to change it. All right, well, I mean, that's, that's about what I have. Did you have any other, any additional? I don't. Um, we haven't seen much of Cooper, uh, other than being indignant at Alina. Yeah, I didn't understand um, that. I, I was like, you know, she's got anger issues. I mean, like, I, I can understand him being ticked that she didn't tell him about John at first, but to be angry that she went and joined the CIA, like, that seems a little odd. Yeah, um, I mean, besides you can't really tell people that you went and joined the CIA to start killing people. I'm sure that there is a non-disclosure agreement with a clause, you will kill you if you tell anybody. Right. I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, I, it just, it seemed kind of odd to me. Um, but on a side note, I did find it very interesting. I really liked the piece out of the, um, the Arcane Wireless episode where they said, well, why didn't you tell us about the deep cover operative? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you stop us? They said, well, we would have if we could have figured out who Aram worked for. So that they're, they're totally classified. Yeah, that they're so deep into, into the uh, black budget that mm -hmm. nobody knows who they are. And I thought that was very interesting, especially considering how highly ranked Cooper is. Yeah. They, when nobody could find anything about him, about yeah. any of them. 
Yeah. They're ghosts almost. Yeah. And so I, I really liked that, that statement that, that it kind of came back to bite them because of it. And how, I, I don't want to say at odds with the FBI they are, but how. Well, somebody they, within the FBI wants to take down Raymond Reddington. And it's not, if he's a, a, a undercover agent, they don't know it. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. You could have someone that knows it and still wants to take him out for some reason. And we still got Cynthia Panabaker. Uh, we got the story of Cooper, who's eventually going to be asked to do something or else. And we know that something probably has to do with Reddington. And we have a Lena husband who is certainly sounds suspicious and could be targeting all gear towards Reddington. I like And Peter. I still, there's something there with a Ram. He had such a, I had to say, um, kudos to Amir, because that moment where he told Red that he hoped he, that he deserved peace, that was a beautifully acted moment. Yeah. That really touched me. So that's all I got. I love the episodes. Yeah, me too. And so I'm glad we were able, you know, if we had to double up on some, at least they were two very good episodes. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, you can listen to us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. And you can talk to us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Tessa's on Reddit. Yes, indeed. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. And...